0: Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Come on, it says that the earth will shout with heaven. Come on, let's just give God a little bit of praise in the room. If you're grateful that you're in church, that you're still alive and well, that God's grace has been more than enough for you, Come on, we do better than that. It's Sunday. It's a celebration day. I don't know how your Monday through Saturday went, but I do believe God's got something great in store for His people right here, right now. Amen? Come on, man. Worship team, that was phenomenal. Come on, let's celebrate. They're awesome. Charles, you're getting better. You're not quite there where I am, but you're getting better every week. Don't give up one day. God just might use you, and that was powerful. And Brett, we're gonna miss you when you go to the Marines. Uh, G.I. Jane, okay. Those online, we miss you as well. Come on, those in the room, let's celebrate. Those that are online, we love that you're tuning in. You can grab your seats. Man, I'm glad you made it this morning. I don't know what your life is looking like, but man, I know your God is faithful and it might be the worst of times, but it can still be the best of times. God can do great things in the midst of adversity. I think that's that's tale of two cities, isn't it? It's the best of times and the worst of times. It's not in the Bible. That's Charles Dickens. But uh, yeah, let me tell you, let me give you the tale of two mornings this week. In fact, it was like the last, it was like two, three days ago. I woke up um, and the first thing I did, and it's not what I normally do. First thing I did, I had a notification on my phone. How many think notifications on your phone? I don't know how this one snuck through. Uh, probably my kids playing an app on my phone allowed this. And it was it was a news feed, and I, I saw the headlines. Literally, the first thing I did, and I, I clicked on it. And normally, the first thing I do, I get up, and I pray for hours, and I dance before the Lord, and I anoint my children with oil, and all those things that you expect of me. But this... Normally the news is not the first thing I look at, but it just happened to be this day. And and this was the headline, the notification, the pop-up. It said, Promising Vaccine Ahead of Schedule. And I was like, thank the Lord. I will receive that good news, that good report. I'm like, I'm feeling good, like I should. Went and took a walk around the neighborhood. Okay, not today. The next day, no lie, this I think was Friday popped up again. First thing I did, check the news again. And it says, doctor says chance of coronavirus vaccine being highly effective is, quote, not great. Not great. Which that means, is it almost good? Is it no chance? And it was amazing because the first few moments of my day, my thoughts were framed and fueled by what I was focusing on. It was a news feed. And who knows what to fully believe? On this earth, with what people say and what people are saying, the contradictions are happening every single day, multiple times a day. I mean, depending on what news feed you choose, maybe you are on the left or the right, in the middle, who knows? It, I, I, no, but depending on the news feed you choose, it determines a lot of your focus, it's how you're seeing things. I am grateful for a truth that's not reliant on opinions of other people and honestly has the solution for every problem that you might be facing. But the first few moments of my day were focused on good news or bad news, who even knows if it was even true news. And my mood was affected immediately by the first thing I allowed in. This is why I'm a big advocate of the first few moments of your day, whether you can give God five minutes, 15 minutes, 50 minutes, is to start your day off with a little bit of prayer, a praise, a scripture, a chapter, a verse, a a spiritual book that's filled with God's word that you digest and work in. Before your breakfast, you need to learn to give God your best and you'll find that your morning will start out right and God will do something great. But it's amazing, amazingness for me, in just a few moments, how my mood changed based upon the news, based upon what I was focusing on. And I wanna speak just for a little bit about your moods, about your emotions, about your thoughts. Uh, we can go from feeling good to being frustrated. We can go from faith to fear in just a few moments. And in fact, I've never been alive in a time where there's so many opposing viewpoints So many different things that people are feeling, but I believe your mood will rise and fall based upon what you're thinking on. The Bible would use a word called meditating on. Meditating is not an Eastern religion practice. It's a biblical principle of controlling what goes on up here and choosing to focus, sometimes even by faith, on something that you believe that God has said is true. And I think we've talked the last few weeks about looking up and leveling up, but I think if you just look around at the world around you, you're gonna stay stuck right where you're at You're gonna stay in infighting and quarreling and people's personal opinions, and you won't make progress in the life that God has for you. So we're gonna talk about our thoughts and our emotions. I wanna speak today from the title of Mental Momentum. Mental Momentum. I think so many people's lives, future, peace is being stolen by anxiety right now. Uh, I think there's so many mood swings back and forth based upon news feeds. But if you want to maintain your forward progress, you got to master your brain. you got to let your thoughts come in alignment with God's thoughts and words. And if you can do that, you're going to have momentum. It always starts inside. Can we pray? Those online, would you join me in prayer as well? Come on, let's pray. Let's ask for God to speak. You, you might be doing pretty well, but your neighbor right next to you uh, might be struggling. Maybe this week there's something on the horizon. That you need to get your spirit man ready, your heart ready for what lies ahead. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you uh, that your word is so filled with who you are. It's not just knowledge. It's this beautiful thing called wisdom. It's alive and active. It's able to cut through nonsense and noise and highlight what you're wanting to say, what you're wanting to do, and who we are to you. Lord, I pray that everyone watching, everyone listening, everyone leaning in wouldn't just get a sermon from me. They'd have an encounter with you. Would you speak to them? Come on, Holy Spirit, we need you. We're inviting your presence, your wisdom, and your voice into our daily lives right here, right now. I speak peace over every heart and mind in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to start out with the life verse. I've preached on it many times, dozens of times. Even a few times this year, it's just a verse that if you don't have at work in your world, you'll probably always keep working and not make any momentum in your life. Uh, This is really how a changed life starts. We know it starts by receiving the grace of God, the gift of Jesus. But if you want God to go to work in your outside world, he's going to start in your inside world. It's where change begins. It's Romans 12, verse 2, but I love this from the message paraphrase. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. In other words, you got to think about how you fit into the world around you. If you look just like the world, what do we mean by the world? We're not talking about the planet. We're talking about the culture of society around us. We would primarily the Bible would be talking about those that don't fear, honor love serve the the living God. They're not after Jesus. they're focused on Self, And we don't speak about them negatively, but we're not called to live like them. We're called to live for Christ, called to live in grace, kind of be filled with love for everyone around us, and that's how we change the world. But we also, we love, we love, we love the truth as well. When we know the truth, the truth sets us free. It says don't just fit in without thinking. Instead, instead of getting your mood by the news or your friend's perspective, no, instead fix your attention on God you'll be changed from the inside out. A fixed attention on what God says, what God has for us, who we are to him. And if we can keep our attention fixed on that with all the distractions around us, that God will grow something great on the inside of us. We know that our inside world eventually dictates our outside world. Jesus teaches that, that hey, that's why you gotta watch that heart because out of that heart shows the direction. It takes you on the course of your life. If you don't like where you're at right now, it's probably because something was wrong in here back then. Good news for you and I, by the grace of God, we can change that. We gotta fix your attention. My son, anytime he's he's either playing a game or maybe watching a show, uh, or honestly, even a toy is around, and I'm trying to get his attention, trying to get him to do something, something beneficial for him, something positive for him, I'll say, hey, Graham, give me your eyes, and I'll get his eyes, and about three seconds later, every parent knows what I'm talking about, and he goes, he looks the other, back to whatever is illuminated on the screen, or on the iPad, or the Lego that's sitting next to me, and I literally sometimes have to like grab his sweet little loving face carefully, and be like, hey, I need you to do this. Get, and it's so easy for him to get distracted, and I don't think I've ever seen a season where it's so easy for us to get our eyes off of what God is wanting to say, how our perfect Heavenly Father wants to lead us. What we know to be true, we get distracted, we get so well-adjusted to this culture of fear, of frustration, of anger, of animosity, and I believe God is saying, hey, I wanna change you, and I wanna change the world around you. I actually wanna change that problem that you're facing, but it always starts in your inside, and I need you to fix your attention. I don't need you to fix yourself. There really isn't any self-help, it's by the grace of God He's the one who helps us. I don't need you to fix your family, I need to fix your attention. And if I could keep your attention fixed in the right place, then not only can I change your thinking, I can change where you go, I can change your emotions as well. Because you might feel like, hey, I'm just an emotional person, maybe you feel like you're more of a stoic person. Either way, how you feel is based upon what what you think. All the pain in our world, all the problems in our world, all the fear, all the fighting, I think it's because believers, so many of us have lost track and attention of what truly matters. Listen, God is far more interested in changing your heart than your problems, than your circumstances, than your situations. Because he believes that once your inside world is changed, your outside world will follow. And yet, so many of us are looking at all the problems in our life or the pain that's around us and say, God, would you change that? He says, No, I want to start in you. Uh, before I go to work there, let me go to work where it will be lasting and most beneficial. And that's changing on the inside of you. He's an inside out God. A heart that's changed is a heart that's strong, a heart that's growing, a heart that's thriving. Listen, what you allow to live in your head will eventually leak into your heart. The Bible speaks of heart. It's not talking about the muscle that pumps blood through the body. It's speaking about your core beliefs, your values, what what, what you live out of. And, And your mind and your heart, they have a correlation. In the Venn diagram, there's a big overlap there. Not exactly, because not everything you think gets in your heart, but everything you meditate or dwell on eventually works its way. Everything that starts in your head that you don't check leads and bleeds into your heart. And that God is saying, hey, with all the stuff going on in the world today, I want to go to work in your inside world. And you need to change how you think. And when you do that, you would begin to feel different. We don't live by our feelings, we live by our faith, but God is emotional Himself. Read the Bible. We're made in His likeness and image. And our emotions can be powerful as well. And I'm seeing so much anxiety, so much stress. And I understand the conflicts that we're facing are real and valid in many ways. The economic crisis is real and valid. The injustices in the world, real and valid. And yet God says, don't become so well adjusted to culture that you just sink in (laughs) to being like everybody else. (laughs) Fix. Your attention. And when you begin to fix your attention, not think like the world thinks, begin to think God's thoughts about your life and your world, you'll find yourself getting some mental momentum. It starts small over time, but God will take you to where he's called you to go. I think anxiety appears when what we don't know about the future is greater than what we do know about our God. Anxiety is there when the uncertainty of tomorrow is more than we rely on the faithfulness of God yesterday. Anxiety shows up when we're focusing on what could happen instead of knowing who God is. And this is why many of us live our life tossed to and fro, like a ship without a sail in a storm, because we don't have anything we're anchored to, have anything that we're believing, holding onto, that's giving us direction, Jesus says in Matthew 22, I don't think this will be on the screen, but he says, hey, you got to love the Lord of God. What's most important? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With, 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 with all your soul. He says with all your, your mind. In other words, like, hey, you've got to learn to frame your thoughts in a way that are loving, pleasing, honoring to God. If you do that, you would be walking in the best of God. There's a lot of reasons to be afraid. I think that obviously the health crisis and uh, the, the uncertainty of the economy. I think some businesses are doing good. Like whoever owns Purell. Come on, how many know they are not furloughing anyone right now? I have sanitized my hands more in the last 38 minutes than I have in the last 38 years of my life. Like, come on. Some companies, are mask companies are doing really well. I was wearing, I think I grabbed Liz's mask today when, during worship and it was a little tighter and it was giving me ears like the guy from Mad Magazine today. Bike companies are doing well. I don't know about you, I've never seen some of my neighbors that during during the stay at home, it was like the Tour de France going by my house every single day. But for so many, maybe for you, hey, full disclosure, pastor telling the truth, I've had seasons of fear in this time. Fear about the church, fear about the future. Fear about physical my mom was in a cancer battle we went to visit her. i got I got tested before we did and I think that's just being wise, but I, we just the last thing I would want to do is to unknowingly cause hurt or harm to someone else hey there's a lot of reasons to be afraid, but when you allow the reasons to be afraid greater than your response to the word of God, greater than your worship of God, greater than letting him frame your mind and your world. Hey, you're going to be tossed to and fro for the rest of your life. But if you want to have some mental momentum and make some God moves in your life, you got to start, you got to start up here. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, God has not given us what a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound a sound mind hey let's get, we're in church right we could be spiritual this is a spirit fear is a spirit sometimes your 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 mood swings there's a spiritual side to this it's not just the way you're wired or your family of origin or the conflict that you're facing or your insecurity about your bank account status right now no, no. there's a spirit out there that wants to keep you afraid and keep you adjusted to the culture around you. But there's another spirit. There's a Holy Spirit, a capital S spirit. And that is the voice of heaven that wants to speak into every situation that you're facing and give you that peace, that that sound mind, that power from God. Uh, I think some of us are living like a yo-yo right now. Up and down based upon someone else pulling the string. And what we realize is God has actually called us not to live up and down. Yes, there will be peaks and valleys in life. The Bible is very clear about the problems that we face, but we do not face them alone. In fact, we face them with the God that says, I'll take you from strength to strength and from glory to glory. I think just disclaimer, if you battle depression, if you're on medication, if if, if that's your situation, hey, we are... We're in no way saying, stop what you're doing, ever. What we are saying is start doing some of the God things as well. To have a new beginning of not just being dictated to you by anybody else, but saying, God, what do you have for me? What have you called me to? And see if you can't get some mental momentum, some Holy Spirit momentum in your life, in your world. See, we are what we repeatedly do. Good habits, God habits, do not happen without intentions. And these habits form our future. What we do is based on what we, we believe. We form habits, and habits form us. We allow thoughts to stay, and those thoughts dictate things to us. And there's a downhill slide in society. But you know, you can only coast downhill. If you are moving forward, it requires fuel. It requires some energy. And some of you have lost your fight in your fear or for your mental strength or or your mood swings. You just allow yourself to go through that cycle and you've surrendered to the culture around you. God says, no, if you'd fix your attention on me, I will fuel you for some forward progress. Why don't you write this down? Mental momentum is this to me. If I can filter my thinking, I can change my feelings. Okay, this is not something I made up. This is what the Word of God teaches us, that you are not just dictated to the culture society or, or even your like, chemical balance is not dictated completely before time began. No, we've got some choices to make. God doesn't change everything for us. He changes us on the inside, but we have to choose what will we believe, what will we allow, what will we, what will we take in, what will we meditate on. Well, this is just how I feel. Exactly, you might feel that way, but that feeling came from a thought. It came a thought that you believed. It came from something you begin to trust. And when was the last time you tested through the word of God what you trusted? This is how God changes us. When's the last time you tested something that through the word of God you, you, you trusted? Proverbs 25, verse 28, like an open city. With no defenses. Is the man or woman with no check on their feelings? In other words, if you just allow yourself to feel how you feel, the ups and downs, the roller coasters, the yo-yo effect, you're like a person who has a city with no walls. Uh, in other words, the enemy can come in anytime. There's no protection. There's no stability. There's no structure. This is why we have to have a check on our feelings. Romans 8, Paul says it this way. If your sinful nature controls your mind, it leads you to death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is what? Life and peace. Maybe you're a new believer. What it means by control your mind does not mean the Holy Spirit's going to turn you into a zombie or a cyborg or a robot. He does not control you. God does not make you do anything, nor does the devil make you do anything. You have a free will that you choose what you do but it's saying the dominant thought in your life. If it's your sinful nature or your flesh, what feels good to culture, hey, that's gonna lead you down a road you don't wanna go on. But if we allow the Holy Spirit's thoughts to frame our mind, to become what we are choosing to believe, it will take us to a place that's filled with peace and life. And the reason there is this battle in your brain And against your heart, it's because it's the greatest asset God gave you, the ability to know his ways and to let your heart align with his heart, to let your spirit be connected with him. It's a incredible gift he gave us. And this is why the war wages so heavily for so many of us. Because the plan of the enemy is wants to wipe you out or limit the fulfillment of your God future. And that always comes with your focus, your thoughts, and your feelings. Because whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever you fixate on, that will be your future. And we do not get to choose our problems, but we do always get to choose our perspective. We don't get to choose our current situation but we do get to choose where we're we looking for our solution. And Romans 12 says the is sliding down, that means we have an opportunity by the grace of God to stay moving up, yeah. to stay moving up, to get some mental momentum and to move forward. It is a choice that you make. I love what David says, David in the Psalms, David is a man of God's own heart, and David could David, David be about as emotional, emo as anybody, but he says, hey, Psalm 42, my heart is breaking. So let's pause there. He's saying, this is how I feel. This is the pain I am facing God. Do you know you can tell God exactly how you feel? I think it's dishonoring when you try to act like you got it together in your prayer life. I think it's much more honoring just to spill your guts before your God. I wouldn't spill it to everyone on Facebook, but I would (laughs) spill it out to my God. And David says, my heart is absolutely breaking but I made a decision, so I turned my thoughts to God. Jonah, Jonah chapter two, when I'd lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. I think mental momentum is this. If I don't like my direction, I need to change my attention. Uh, I, I change it. What am I going to look at I think with all the negativity in the world right now, I literally, I'm just choosing to stay positive. It's not that I'm like disregarding every news thing that comes out, but I'm just digesting it real slowly. And I'm just gonna see what could happen that could be good in this. Because it's doom and gloom everywhere that you look, and that is not how the people of God live. We live with a hope and an expectancy of a God-intended future. Even when we walk through the valley of death, we're saying, I don't fear, because I've got God with me, and that's what's framing my world, and that's how I have some mental momentum to move into my future. One of the things that frustrates me is like when people slow down to change lanes. Is that you? Yeah, okay, you need to go to a new church. Just kidding. <laughs> I can't save you. I'm just kidding. Because like they're, they're nervous to make any changes. I'm telling you at the speed at the speed you're at right now, if the lane you've been on is I'm just allowing life to be dictated to me by how I feel and the news that I read and the anxious thoughts that I have, if that's where you'd be going, I tell you, it is time to do jerk the wheel over. You cannot live in that lane. It is taking you to a place God has not called you to go. I think every one of us might be at different levels. Some of you, maybe you have a real mental struggle, even a mental health issue in your life. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. In fact, almost every American in the next 30 or 40 years is gonna have some sort of mental crisis. That's the percentages. It's like like 80 something percent in the next 30 years, there'll be a season of mental strain and pain and struggle. So you're not alone. we all either have been in one, might be in one, or probably will be in one someday. It's what do we do when that's the road that we're on? We got to change our attention. We need to learn how to change to change lanes. Make the choice and change. I think mental momentum it change takes takes practice. It takes practice. Many of us have just allowed whatever has been planted, whatever is grown in the the garden of our heart, just to be. We've never really taken the time to examine. And that's what God is wanting. I think that's what God is wanting for us as a church, is really take the time and attention to examine what's been growing, what kind of fruit is in our life, what sort of things in there that might be detrimental, might be stealing the God life away from us. Change takes practice. I love this from Philippians chapter four. Finally, brothers, Paul writes, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Like, it's not that you don't have bad news from time to time, but what you're meditating on is the good things of God. And Paul says, hey, everything you've seen me do, you should do. And he uses this word here, he says, put it into practice. The, the, the Greek word there means there's some repetition to it. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. Put it in practice and what? And the God of peace will be with you. And you play like you practice. Coaching legend John Wooden. UCLA Bruins, 10 championships in 12 years. Some of the greatest players in NCAA history came through his program, and the very first part of the very first practice, he would teach everybody the proper way to tie their shoes. We're talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like he knew how to tie his giant shoes. But what John Wooden had seen in the very beginning of his career as a coach, is that one or two times during every practice, someone would have to stop and tie their shoes. And it started to take its effect on the momentum and the flow of practice. So he says, hey, I know you all are grown men, and I know you know how to tie your shoes, but let me just show you this. We do it this way, this little thing right, it'll actually allow us to have more time working on what really matters. And if you're lacking mental momentum, if you're living your life on a mood swing right now, it is the little attention to details, learning to stay humble and to start small. And you'll begin to reframe your thoughts, and eventually you'll see that your world will change. Because momentum is in the moments, it's little daily decisions that lead to destiny defining moments. Momentum is in. The moments. It's little attitudes that we're going to allow to be changed. It's little lies that allow the Holy Spirit to highlight that that's not something I'm going to believe. It's little problems. Instead of trying to handling them all ourselves, we learn to take to God first. It's these little things that can stack up against us, or it's these little things that can make mental momentum, God momentum for us. It's the little things like date night how many husbands and wives you have a date night two of us that's great <laughs> the only happily married people here awesome I know it's hard at COVID date night but like Liz doesn't want just like a restaurant or a movie she wants attention to detail I think most guys when we think date night we're thinking romance Can we tell the truth in church? (laughs) Most women are thinking romance. (laughs) Everything. It's about the little details, not just the end goal. And same with our God. Listen, he is wanting us to turn every little thing over to him. And when we learn to obey and honor, protect our mind from the small, check emotions before they swing too far out of control, when we learn to give God those little moments, we begin to get more and more momentum. Own your moments. The Bible says it's the small foxes that destroy the vine. It's also small seeds that can grow into a great big tree, producing lots of fruit. If you got a comment and you knew it came out of a place of pride. Instead of just saying, oh, well, you know, whatever. I'll show you. No, go back and say to someone, hey, I'm sorry I said it that way. I, I'm sorry. I, I. Learn to check yourself. You get a thought in there, whether it's something you read or something you looked at, and all of a sudden it's affecting you. Learn to realize, oh, wait, wait, the enemy is using this to plant a seed of frustration or fear. And I catch those small, if I own those little moments, before you know it, I start to have more and more momentum. I think everyday moments, all the time, they try to creep into your mind, try to take root in your heart. How do we own them? Really quick, you gotta name them. You gotta slow down long enough to say, hey, this is fear. This is not faith. This is not trusting God. This thought, this conversation wasn't beneficial. I don't, if I'm I'm just going by how I feel, realize, no, I need to slow down long enough to take account Why am I feeling this way? Is it how I started my morning? Is it what my spouse said to me? Is it just that I I didn't manage my time well enough and now I'm I'm worried and overworked and stressed out? Because if you can't name it, you normally can't change it. It becomes a small little invisible thing that weighs on you. Slow down enough to assess your attitudes and your emotions. Psalms 55, verse two, David says, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused. So if my thoughts are restless and it leads to confusion, then I might need to learn to get some rest every once in a while. And let God begin to examine, not running hundred miles a minute, I'm all about being proactive, hardworking, disciplined, all those things. But if you never pause and think about the status of your soul, how you're really feeling, or if you've never taken into account what's going on in your mind, you will always be run ragged or worn down or mood swinging. This is how we learn to get out of confusion, to pause, to ponder, to pray. I went on a diet during uh, COVID. We had a baby born and it was like every night was Grubhub, Postmates, Uber Eats, and I was getting Uber and... And, uh, you know, when no gyms were open, it was cold, all those things. And I was like, man, I hit a a weight on the scale that was like, I'm like almost a light heavyweight in the boxing. Like not a good thing. That was not muscle. Uh, so I said, I'm going to take into account. I got this little app on my phone, counting my macros, any macro counters out there. You guys are leaving me hanging. There's two of us, (laughs) three of us. Thank you. Good Lord. Come on. And so I counted, I just was counting it. So everything I took, I had to stop long enough to put it in my phone. I was shocked at some of the stuff I was eating that I thought was good for me, that I realized was like tilting the scale so far. It's amazing when you pause for a moment and maybe take time to really filter through what you're thinking, what you're digesting, what you're allowing, and even how you're feeling. How you begin to see, wow, I'm allowing so many things that are detrimental to my destiny to affect me. I'm gonna choose to diet, to view, to look at something else. And when we do that, that's when the change begins to happen. When you can when you can name it, then I think the second thing, you gotta reframe it. I think you need to get a big picture. I need to take the word of God into it. I need to take the voice of God into it. I'm gonna reframe it. I'm not gonna just allow, well, this is what they said, so this is how I feel. No. This is what they said, this is how I chose to react because I I carried too much weight in their opinion of me or I allowed this other problem to to couple under their conversation and it's multiplied out of control in my life. Getting the big picture. And honestly knowing that you're just not alone in this thing as well. I remember Elijah, he goes to God once and he's yelling and angry and frustrated. He's being super emotional. He's like, God, I'm the only one serving you. And God like just clap back. He's like, no, man, I got others. You're you're not in this thing alone. Reframe it. Get a bigger get a bigger perspective. The Bible is a word of God. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It cuts through things like flesh and bone. It gets right to the heart of the matter. We're gonna frame our life and our thinking based upon the words of our faithful Heavenly Father. It begins to show us what's right and what's wrong. And then when we know what's right and what's wrong, we can, we can tame it, we name it, reframe it, we can tame it. Paul says, hey, we take those thoughts and we make them obey Christ. Like this is not what God thinks about me. This is not who God says that I am. We take it captive, we don't let it just run wild. I'm out of time, but I'll give you real quick. How do we tame it? We tame it with our mouth, our tongue, in between our head and our heart, there lies our mouth. Psalms 19, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I don't have time, but look at the book of James. A big horse gets moved with a small bit in its mouth. A big ship gets moved with a tiny rudder. The power of your words is greater than you know. I think we tame it with our teammates people that are excited about God's purpose for your life and their own. People or friends that pull you out of church or don't love the way that you serve God, honor God, give to God, worship God. They are not friends of your future. I'm not saying you gotta cut them out of your life, but you need to limit the access they have to your heart. Because what they're planting in there is not, it's the culture of the world around you. Friends that keep you on track. Like Job's friend, he says, why was your heart why has your heart carried you away? Someone that says, "Hey, why is, is your heart is pulling you away from what God wants to do?" I think finally we tame it with our tongue, with our teammates, and then we take it to the cross. We realize we live in the grace of God. We live by the goodness of God. We live saved, redeemed. We're already righteous, and we begin to let our life live our life based upon what we believe God thinks about us. 1 Peter four, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Listen, you begin to just take this question. Does this thought, this feeling make me more like Jesus? And if it does not, it is not for you. It is not for you to fuel on, it is not for your future. Dismiss any thought or feeling that doesn't make you more like Jesus. I said earlier that some of you are like a ship tossed to and fro. It's time to get yourself anchored. You're thinking, getting some momentum, your your emotions, how you feel, anchored to something greater than you. Hebrews 6:19. We have this hope. I don't know what sort of distress or anxiety you've been walking through. I don't know the pain, the problems, the financial struggle, the hurts, the wounds in your life. But we as believers, listen, we have a hope, not just a distant hope, no, we have a living hope. We have a present hope. We not only have a hope for the future, we have a help. We have the helper of the Holy Spirit. We've got the hand of God on our life. We've got the grace of God. We've got an anointing on our life. We don't have to just stay struggling to move forward. No, 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 we can move forward with momentum, getting God's thoughts to become our thoughts, God's ways to become God's, our ways, God's Word to become our words, and be walking in the fullness of what God has for us. It's an anchor, this hope, an anchor for our soul. It is firm and secure. If you have Jesus, you have all the help that you need. You will keep in perfect peace all those that trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. I want you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Then we're going to worship together for a moment. I'm going to worship a song that's just a declaration of the God's promises and God's peace. Before we worship, I want to pray for you. It says that those who would fix their thoughts, if you want to fix your life, start by letting God fix your thoughts, fix your inside world. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, even if you're at home right now. Just, and if you said, hey, I've allowed my, my anxiety, my fear, my insecurity... I've allowed the problems and the pain around me to dictate my feelings, my worldview. And God, I just asking. you, I need you to fix me on the inside. I'm not worried. I trust you're gonna take care of things on the outside, but I want, I want that real change. I want that momentum in my life. And would you fix me on the inside? If that's you, would you just put your hand up so I know who I'm praying for? Hands are up all over this morning. Maybe that's you online, your hands up. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for how good you are. You never start something that you don't complete. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. And in this room, online right now, there's several people that need you to fix something in their inside world. Lord, I'm gonna take some authority here that you've given us here on the earth. The fear, if that's his spirit, then we have the power in the name of Jesus to tell it to go. So I thank you every anxious thought, every fearful perspective, every bit of the enemy that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, I command it to go right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every place of insecurity will be filled with a God-confidence. Every emotional swing going back and forth, no, they're gonna have a steady, strong heart. They're trusting in the Lord. And God, you're gonna give them some momentum in their mind, in their heart, and you are moving them forward by your grace to the pace that you've called them to, to a glorious, God-first life. Lord, I thank you for everyone here at Hillsong Church, everyone watching online, that their best days in their inside world are right in front of them. Therefore, their best days in their outside world are on the horizon. In Jesus' mighty name, let's worship together.